darkness is not an affirmative force. It simply reoccupies the space vacated by the light. This is the Hamilton Corner on American Family Radio. It should be uncomfortable for a believer to live as a hypocrite. Delivering people out of the bondage of mainstream media. And the philosophies of this world. God has called you and me to be his ambassadors. Even in this dark moment. Let's not miss our moment. And now, The Hamilton Corner. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to The Hamilton Corner here on American Family Radio. I am your host, Abraham Hamilton III. And if if it seems I'm a little giddy, it's true because I have my favorite guest in in studio with me today. See, I can't even speak. But we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, I, I hope that... As you um, pondered yesterday and considered uh, the events, even the things we discussed on this program, uh, that the Lord was was able to minister to you effectively to enable you to see how he would have you respond to where we are at this current state in our nation. But before we get into all of that too much, so I want to remind you at this very moment, many of you are transitioning from your part-time jobs where you generate an income to your full-time jobs where you cultivate an outcome. And as you do so, understand, uh, I pray you understand the primacy that God places on family. Uh, You know, we're going to get into this later on, but the first institution that God established, having the wherewithal to unfold human history, uh, as well as the created order, however he chose to do so, he intentionally establishes as the first human institution, the family with marriage at the center. It's amazing uh, that the marital union and the marital unit is the only one that God allows to be described in his holy word as being a living, breathing illustration of the Messiah's relationship to his bride, the church. There is intense warfare concerning the family because The old deluder Satan is a chief counterfeit and his desire, as the Apostle John articulated it, is to steal, kill and destroy. He comes only to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus Christ came that you might have life, Zoe life, that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That Zoe life, life to the full, uh, which encompasses are thriving on this side of eternity in addition to what we get to uh, enjoy and what we anticipate even now that we'll be able to enjoy on the other side of eternity. So as you're transitioning at this very moment, I want to and encourage you to understand the primacy and the significance that God places on family. Understand uh, that when the scripture unfolds the, the fact that the Lord established the marital union, Uh, with a portion of his spirit in it. Uh, It reveals the reality that marriage is not merely, not merely a human contractual institution. To the word of God, we go. I want to go here um, to Genesis chapter 2. And and I may toggle over to Matthew chapter 19. uh, But in Genesis chapter 2, um, you have a portion of scripture and that I'm just going to state, state this straight up and straight out right now. We, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, as disciples 
of Yeshua HaMashiach. We do not allow the culture to dictate to us the parameters through which that we evaluate and interpret Scripture. The culture does not tell us or to establish for us our marching orders for how we approach Scripture. In fact, it's actually the opposite. The Word of God gives us the lens through which we evaluate culture, but not the other way around. And I'm going to take a few moments now to go through something in Scripture that I believe that has resulted in a, a great loss in the body of Christ because we've allowed culture to rob terminology and con concepts from us uh, that causes us to stand ensconced, to stand a distanced from the truth of Scripture. Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 18. I want you to see this. Here we go. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. A couple things I want to point out to you. You've heard me say this before, but the scripture is explicit in revealing that Adam was not created inside of the Garden of Eden. He was created outside of the Garden of Eden, quickened to life outside of the Garden of Eden, and then placed into the Garden, which was east from where Adam was created. The same chapter, Genesis 2, verse 8 says it. It's affirmed and confirmed in chapter 2, verse 15 that we just read. The Lord God places the man in the garden after having made him. All right? Then the next thing you see is the Lord giving Adam and trusting him with his word. When he says, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... You shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. When God entrusted Adam with his word, his command here, he also made him a uh, conveyor of his word. Why can I say that so confidently? The Lord told us already in verse 15 that the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to cultivate it and to keep it. Cultivation speaks to the um, nurturing to the uh, reproductive capacity that he required of Adam, the re replenishing that God required of Adam, that the Lord established in Adam, that, that and, and before he even got to Adam, a principle that everything is to reproduce after its own kind. Uh, Genesis 1, 26 through 28 already announced that mankind was ordained to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. This fruitfulness and multiplication was to be both quantitative and qualitative. So Adam, with the instructions to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, though at this point he does not have a companion, uh, he is required to multiply and to be fruitful with the same quality that God deposited in him. So the command that Adam was to receive, he was entrusted with conveying. In addition to being a cultivator of the garden, Adam was called to be a keeper or protector of it. One of the mechanisms for protecting the garden was not merely a physical protection, but protecting it 
with the word that God had given him. All right. Now, then immediately after God gives Adam his word, making him not only a recipient of it, but a conveyor of his word. The very next thing you see. In the beginning, before rebellion was on the scene, is you see God introducing an idea to Adam. Look at verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Who was it in scripture that first identified the reality that aloneness for the man was not good? Or to say it, in a different, to say it the opposite way. Who was it that introduced into human history the notion that having a suitable helper was good? That was God's idea. I've said repeatedly that marriage is good because God has said that it was good. Adam didn't sit there thinking, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrow, Eeyore. <laughs> God is the one who said, hey, yo, Adam, it ain't good for you to be alone, bro. <laughs> and then God says, I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now, when you heard me say that H word, I'm gonna say, say it with me, Jeff, helper. You know, say it, don't say it all wispy. Help. Helper. There's some women listening to me right now saying their noses are turned up. Their lips are like this. Why can't he help me? And you know what that reveals? That reveals that cultural imperatives have intruded upon our approach to Scripture. Why is it that many of the women in our country and some of you who are listening to me right now, some of the men who are listening to me right now, you immediately think that when the Lord describes the woman who was to come as a helper to Adam, you automatically think something negative. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Second and third wave feminism. Because of the proliferation of second and third wave feminism, the idea that a wife was made, as the scripture reveals, from the man, for the man, and presented to the man as his helper, you automatically think that that's negative. Now, before you go too far in your negatories, I want you to think for a moment about the triune Godhead. As the Lord has revealed himself throughout scripture, though the word Trinity is not in scripture, the term was coined by Augustine. Thank you, Augustine. Uh, but the Trinity is in scripture. When God reveals that the triune Godhead consists of what? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Can you answer for me who else in scripture is referred to as the helper? The third person of the Trinity. Holy Spirit is described in scripture as the helper. But many of us automatically think the term helper is a downgrade to women because we've allowed the culture to dictate to us how we approach scripture. The word helper here, and it's not just helper, 
But the Bible says helper suitable. Sometimes we, we you know, try to make the King James verbiage as if it's one word, help me. No, it's a helper that is meet or a helper that is fit, a helper that is suitable for the man. The word helper here is the Hebrew word izer, izer. And again, the phrase is not just helper, it's helper suitable. It's izer neged, izer neged, helper suitable. The word izer literally means one who builds in that which is lacking. It literally means one who aids in the time of disaster. It means a suitable companion or a corresponding opposite. This is what the term means. When the Lord reveals to Adam that it is not good for him to be alone, you should note that it immediately follows Yahweh giving Adam his word. The giving of his word follows the Lord making the observation that I've placed you in the garden to dress it and to keep it, which reveals that Adam, you are not going to be capable of doing what I've placed you in the garden to do without my word and without my helper. But you see, when we allow culture to dictate to us our marching orders as it pertains to Scripture, we miss out on the fact that the Lord allows, no, more than allows, the Lord describes what the wife is to the man, the same thing that he describes Holy Spirit to be to the believer, the helper. I'm sharing this with you. Because if we continue to allow the world to set our marching orders for our approach to Scripture, we're going to continue to miss out on things that God has ordained for us. The Lord is literally, literally revealing that he has given the man a purpose that cannot be fulfilled, completely filled, without the helper. Now, to be clear, this does not... Uh, exclude the reality that there are some who are called vocationally to lifelong singleness and notice this next part celibacy you can't say the lord called you to be single you ain't got the gift of celibacy you also cannot claim that the lord has called you life to lifelong singleness because you've had a horrible dating history no that's a vocational call but because of the first command of mankind fruitfulness multiplication replenishing the earth and subduing it the default posture for most men and most women will be ordinance for marriage, including the beautiful privilege of the one flesh union. But make no mistake about it. We must refuse to continue to allow the culture to dictate to us how we are to approach scripture. No, scripture dictates, dictates how we approach culture. Shining light into the darkness, this is the Hamilton Corner on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Hamilton Corner. I want to say one more thing from the scripture. We'll probably say some more things about the scripture as we go through the remainder of the interview. But before I get to my lovely guest, I wanted to say one more thing because this is something that comes up frequently as, as we travel the country and speak to different people. They get a little bit confused about these things. But when Jesus was queried about marriage and he answered the question in Matthew chapter 19, this is something that's often left out of the conversation. As you've heard me say before, Jesus affirms what he said in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 because he is the word made flesh. He is the word who was in the beginning. Jesus is eternally preexistent, 
preexistent. He was there and spoke, let there be night, let there be light. All right. So he said this when queried about marriage. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them both male and female and said. For this reason, shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Just in case you don't know, this is referring specifically, yes, to the spiritual reality of oneness, but specifically to the physical reality of oneness. The complementary, conjugal, one flesh union that can only be enjoyed by a man and a woman. Yeah. Let me just say something before I go too far afield. It's unfortunate that we allow the world to set the standards for how we discuss this glorious blessing that God has given us to enjoy within the context, the exclusive context that he's ordained for us to enjoy it within. Most Christians, including myself, are taught, don't do it, don't stop, don't do it, stay away, stay away. So we have this frame of mind concerning what is a blessing in addition to being enjoyable. But we allow the world to corner the market on conversations so that when we have Christians who are engaged in holy matrimony, they don't know how to fully thrive. We don't know how to fully thrive within the intimate confines of the, what the Lord has blessed us with. But that's a conversation for another day, which we may need to get into as well. Uh, but you had to, probably had to put the babies away for that conversation. But getting back to the scripture, verse 5, and said, For this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Verse 6, so they are no longer two, but what one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. When Jesus affirms what he said in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and mentions that what God has joined together, let no man separate, it reveals not reveals, it confirms the fact that the marital union is a pre-political institution, which means that the merit, the marital union, the marriage unit and marriage as a definition existed before there was ever any civil government establishment. Modern iterations of civil government post-date God's establishment of marriage, which means government do, governments do not have the authority to derogate from God's definition of for marriage. He is its designer. He alone is its definer. Government at best has a wherewithal to uphold and to support what God has established. Well, what about adults' capacity to make contracts? Listen, adults have the wherewithal to make contracts about all kinds of things. But a marriage is far more than an agreement between consenting adults, which is why the scripture reveals that God has ordained it. When Malachi refers to it, he says the one flesh union includes a portion of God's spirit within it because marriage is a pre-political institution. Now, having said all of that, I would like, a wel like to welcome to the program my favorite guest and a half, because y'all can hear the half of guests. Not a half, a whole guest, but he's just real small. <laughs> Baby David is in the studio as well, rolling on the floor with his cookies. <laughs> but my guest for the program is my lovely, beautiful, jaw-dropping, heart-stopping. When she walks in the room, when the queen come in town, everything shuts down. My wife, Mrs. Maria Hamilton, matriarch of Hamiltonian. 
Hey, hey, everyone. Thank you for joining Glad me in studio. Glad to be in studio, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for doing this. Um, uh, some of this really is by request, because everywhere I'm going lately, they say, hey, you're cool, but we really like it when your wife is on. And I like it when my wife is on, and there is no one better to have this conversation with uh, other than my wife. And and so, baby, you heard me talking in the first segment about Isaiah and reality of what God made helpers to be. One of the things that believers need to understand is that intrinsic to the marital covenant is God's design for marriage to produce sanctification in the members of the marriage, that the Lord joined us together as much as we enjoy spending time together. And the truth is, my wife is my best friend. That's the, that's a fact. I think about anything happening in my life, the first person I want to talk to is my wife. I could be 10 minutes from home, and guess who I call on my way home, even though I'm about to see her, I call her on the phone when I'm on my way home. That's just the reality of our relationship, and it's been that way really since the very beginning. <clears throat> but this reality of sanctification in marriage is something that I think some people are surprised by. And when they're experiencing the, I'll call it the refining fires of sanctification in marriage, some people are like, ah, too hot, too hot. Me not want too hot, no, me not like it, too warm, too warm. We want out. But you fail to realize God placed you there express, expressly and explicitly so that these areas that could not be touched any way, any other way, that they are brought to the surface so that the dross can be purged and that we're continually being sanctified in the presence of the Lord. So when you hear me talk about that, what are your, your initial uh, reactions or responses to the idea that sanctification is intrinsic to marriage? Yeah, so one one thought that I have um, is that, you know, the world, and unfortunately the church has embraced this as well, um, the, the world says that marriage is hard, you know, and so the idea of marriage, um, people cringe because it's hard. It's hard work and it's difficult and just be ready and like, you know, all the negativity that surrounds um, marriage. And so when you are when you were saying that, I was thinking, man, the Lord really designed it um, for his purposes and for his glory, not for our comfort and our enjoyment. Um, but we do enjoy it if we see it from God's perspective. So I think it's incredibly important that we as believers remove from our minds this negative perspective of marriage and embrace God's view of it. Mm. Only that way will we actually enjoy it mm. and find the the blessing that it is and, and thrive in it and and not just hold on for dear life or or become roommates or anything like that. Those are all things that are not within God's purposes because it's supposed to bring him glory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's that's what um as believers, we need to really pray about is that the Lord would help us to remove from our mindset the negativity um, and really help us to see it through his, from his perspective. Amen. Amen. Will you finish your, your thought? Yeah, no, that's the main thing that I was uh, thinking about because I always, I, you know, whenever we say that it's hard, what does it mean for marriage to be hard? If we're talking about sanctification, we're talking about the reality that God wants us, wants to grow us more in the likeness of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we are, you know, wicked and we are selfish and we are, you know, we have our own agendas and we have our own personalities and our own sinfulness. Um, okay, so then God joins us together for his glory so that the world can see what it looks like um, to to live for him. And so he wants to transform us. When we are transformed, we are sanctified and then we bring in glory independently as me and you separately, right? Glorifying him in our character 
and in our in our actions, but then as a unit as well. And so I think that's um, very important. You know, we have several anecdotes in regards to uh, (laughs) sanctification. And we use that word intentionally, you know, because when we think about um, growing and and the Lord stretching us, and maybe that's why the world says it's hard, is because we're looking at it from a negative vantage point, you know, because sanctification is a positive thing. Sanctification is a good thing. So when the Lord is, is, um, you have better words for this, but, you know, buffing the sharp edges or whatever, you know, like, uh, or, or softening us and, and transforming us and molding us and shaping us into who he is. That's nothing to feel good, but it is a positive thing. It is a good thing. It is, I want to be more like Jesus. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Am I going to be perfect? No, but I do want to be, um, God glorifying. And as we've been married, um, I always say that I, I am a blessing to my husband. I really am because I help him be sanctified. Like it's a good thing y'all. So, so y'all just embrace the reality that with all your sinfulness and all your filth and all your mess, you're coming to marriage and you, you know, you guys, and for him as well, um, you're a blessing, man. You're a blessing. It's a blessing that you have to grow in patience, you know, it's great. <laughs> so I'm very, um, glad that we are able to, to enjoy that. So, so you're helping me grow in patience. I'm that's just, that's my role. I'm a helper, right? <laughs> that's what we say. I'm a helper. So I'm trying to help you be more like Jesus. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Uh, and so you made a statement that it is true when you have two individuals, different minds, different experiences uh, who are, are fallen, you know, but are being joined together. And what the Lord describes as holy matrimony, you're going to have the reality of that oneness, oneness coming together um, that, that will have at different points, at different levels, some challenges. But the challenges do not have to be uh, drudgery, do not have to be um Suffering doesn't have to be um, just uh, feeling like you're being scourged at the pillar. You know, there, there is joy in recognizing the Lord shaping and molding us as we're growing closer to one another and being formed and conformed ever the more to the image of our elder brother, Jesus Christ. Now, I'm thinking now because you mentioned we have anecdotes when uh, there was a particular time in our lives when uh, you were frustrated with me. And I didn't know at the moment until after the fact uh, but you were frustrated with me because I had said something and then you felt like this dude ain't following through on what he said. Do you want to tell the people about that experience? Tell the people. Yeah. So, um, again, it's just growing in the Lord. You know what I mean? So we had talked about, um, you know, I'm home all day with the kids. Praise the Lord. I really enjoy that. Um, it is what the Lord's called me to. And, um, you know, Abe goes to work. So we were living in Louisiana at that point at that time and he had to go to work you know, all every day. So, uh, his time with the children was less than, than my time with the children. I was going to court. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was very, you, your schedule was very busy. And so we had talked about you, um, spending more time with, with the kids and being very intentional about it. Um, and so one day out of the blue, um, I remember I'm in the dining room and you said, Hey, I'm going to run to home Depot to get something whatever it was, something fast. And I'll be right back. And that moment I thought based on our conversation prior that, Oh, you should go ahead and take Christian. Our oldest one at that time was like maybe four. He was little. Um, you should go ahead and take Christian with you. Um, I'm thinking in my mind, I didn't say all this to him, but I just said you should take him. You know, conversations on the drive, you know, one-on-one time, whatever. So I was like, hey, you should take him. And he said, oh, no, 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 I'm just going to go fast 
um, you know, I'll go, I'll go in and out. That was That's what he said. And in my mind, I was like, oh, no, he didn't because we'd already talked about this. We'd already established that you're going to spend more time with our kids. You got a perfect opportunity right here. Hello. You're not. So my mind, my flesh said, tell him about himself. Let him know that he's not doing right because this is what you're supposed to be doing. This is your your first ministry. Remember your full time job. I didn't just start <laughs> saying that when I got on the radio. I know. I know you didn't. I know. And so no, I'm um, saying I'm telling them. I know you know, but I'm saying I'm asking you to let them know. I didn't just start saying no, that when I got true. on the radio. That's, that's very true. No, we've been that's been our our ministry. And so, um, you know, he he left, and I was mad. And um, you were mad, or you were mad? I was mad. mad. I was mad. I was mad because I man, I almost called you like you were driving, and I almost called you like what what's going on? Like you know, just telling you off. And I was like, Lord, help me to glorify you in this moment. And that's the whole thing about sanctification. In the moment, like in the moment, can we crucify our flesh? In the moment, can we say, Lord, help me to glorify you right now? When my feelings are all messed up, our emotions, you know, are mad. I feel justified in my anger. Mm-hmm. Um, Lord, help me to glorify you right now. Like, give me what I am lacking right now by your Holy Spirit. And so I did. I prayed because I was like, Lord, I don't want to do something that is not going to glorify you. And and not only like because I don't want to fight with him, but but I really just want to honor God, you know. And so I just prayed. I literally just put everything to the side that I was working on. And I was like, Lord, you know what we talked about. You know what your desire for him is. And you know what you've, you have ministered to him about in regards to our children. And you know what you have shown us and me and myself with the kids and how important it is to invest in pouring to our children. And he had the perfect opportunity and he, you know. And I'm just going off with the Lord, you know, just praying and asking him, just help me to to be calm and help me when he comes back, you know, not to make it a, um, not to act out of my flesh. Man, you walked in. When I came back home. When you came back home. From Home Depot. From Home Depot. With the bag in my hand. That's right. As mm-hmm. soon as he walked in, y'all, as I could have told him something at that point, but I just knew the Lord said, just be quiet. Just be quiet. Just let me handle it. And so he walks in and the first thing out of his mouth, he said, babe. I am so sorry. You're so right. The Holy Spirit convicted me on the way to Home Depot, and he showed me that I should have taken him with me, and you're right. Man, I dropped what I was doing. I was like, Lord, you're faithful. Not because I got, like, quote, unquote, my way, but it's because I realized I do not have to nag him. The Spirit of God will convict men of sin, and so I am not the Holy Spirit. Mm. I can never try to be. When I try to be, I mess it up. Mm. The Holy Spirit of God will penetrate the heart of man. And if your husband's ladies are seeking the Lord, and if they are, um, you know, wanting to grow in the Lord, the Holy Spirit will will open their eyes and will minister to them beyond your words. Mm. And so my encouragement is that we would not nag. Y'all know what the scripture says about it, that we won't nag, but that we would submit ourselves first to the Lord, ask him to transform us, and then trust that he will minister to them. Man, yeah, it it was not. I'll explain it from my side. It's true. I um, I was something. You guys know I was going to court at this time. I had um, I was off operating in a dual jurisdiction. So it was a jurisdiction that had criminal cases in one week, civil cases in the other week. I was a criminal prosecutor, and so I would have to appear in court on one week, and then the opposite week, I would have a little bit more flexibility. I had to do my caseload, but my back office stuff I had to do. And so I had expressed to Maria, I felt like um, I'd got to the place where that whole work-life balance had gotten out of balance. And I knew I needed to spend more one-on-one time with our children. At that time, we only had two. Mm-hmm. And I expressed that to you. And then that was in one conversation, moving on. Then something ha- came up and I needed to go to the store, go to Home Depot or wherever. Um, and I said, I needed to go. And so you asked me, 
you didn't say it this way, but you realize, oh, Eureka, what an opportunity. <laughs> Just the very thing that you said, my lord, that you wanted to accomplish. <laughs> now the Heavenly Father has provided you opportunity. Will you take him? To which I said, nah, I'm just going to run. I'll be right back. The Hamilton Quarter Podcast and one-minute commentaries are available at AFR.net. Back to the Hamilton Quarter on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Hamilton Corner. Abraham Hamilton III here, joined by my lovely wife, Mrs. Maria Hamilton. And we were just sharing real-life testimony of the very thing that we're in- endeavoring to encourage you with. The Lord has has worked in us and continues to work into us even now. Amen. And I was explaining, after having made the grandiose proclamation that I needed to spend more time one-on-one uh, with my children, here I was with an opportunity to do so. And my wife... Rightfully so, pointing out to me that here you have this opportunity, but me being so uh, caught up in what I think, I'm going to just run to come right back. You know, I know I said that, but reality is sometimes the children can make it take too long. You know, they're looking at stuff and asking for everything, asking for everything <laughs> in the world. And of course, you need to teach them self-control, but I don't want to do that right. I just going to want to go in and want to go out. So when she made the suggestion to me to take take my boy, well, I love spending time with him, but... My son likes to talk. <laughs> he does. You know, so I'm going to go, I'm going to be right back. Because I'm thinking, well, I'm going to spend time with him when I get back home. You know, but as soon as I got in the car, the Lord began to deal with me on the drive. And at that time, Home Depot was like maybe, what, seven minutes, five yeah. minutes from the house. And the, the Lord, you know, started off with the gentle, you know. You express your desire to have one-on-one time with your children. This is a godly desire. This is a good thing. This is something you need. This is something you should want. Uh, and you asked me to help you to identify opportunities because I'm, what you didn't know, I had asked the Lord, Lord, help me to find t- places in my day, those that are pre-planned and even those that are not planned, where I can have those one-on-one moments, you know. Uh, because as we say, you might have heard us say this before, we've learned that quantity of time with our children gives rise to quality time, that yeah. you can't pre-program yeah. Pre-program these poignant moments. So all of this is in the back of my mind, and the Lord is is ministering to me. Now these are the things that you said. These are right. These are good. And then He comes in with the boom. And your wife, she was right when she pointed out to you that this was a moment. And this is a moment that you missed. But because God is gracious as He is, um. He convicted me in that moment, and then I repented of just of missing that, and uh, in spite of, and it helped me to recognize when my wife said that, she wasn't just expressing her desire as a person. Uh, she was the Lord's vessel in that moment to help me to answer a prayer that I had offered to the Lord, uh, but because I was so consumed in what I had already programmed in my mind that I wanted to get done, I missed it in that moment. So when I got home, I was convicted, and I expressed that conviction Uh, Because I've learned a long time ago that when you miss it, your repentance should be as broad as the scope of the impact of your missing it. So I wanted to let my wife know uh, that she was right and that the Lord was ministering to me through her. And because I was not in that moment in tune with what the Spirit of God was trying to do for me, I missed that moment. And so when I got home, I had nothing but contrition 
uh, and uh, expression of repentance and really asking my wife to forgive me for not listening to her in that moment. I think it's important that we always understand that the purpose of um, of those moments is is for us to grow. Like, mm-hmm. it's not for me to nag you. It's not for me to convince you that I'm right. It's not for, for us to win arguments. It's not for you to tell me that I'm wrong or that I'm nagging. Or It's none of those things. I think we so, we so get down into our flesh and we allow our flesh to rule and reign in every interaction that it becomes such a difficult and unpleasant experience to be married. Mm-hmm. And so if we just change our mind and we ask the Lord, Lord, help me to be better. So I have another anecdote, if you don't mind me sharing. Yeah, well, I wanted to ask you a question, though, before you okay, moved go ahead, on go ahead. Um, from there. Um, having that experience with me, what I wanted to ask you was, how did that impact you in the moment? And what type of efficacy did that encounter have in terms of your position in our marriage going forward from there? Yeah, that's good. So the the first thing was that I saw the work of God, like God working. I saw that he's trustworthy. So when he tells me be quiet and don't say anything when he gets back and don't let him know how angry you are and all that, trust me, I saw him literally work, right? And so when he convicted you, I was like, oh, Lord. So here I am fuming, thinking I need to tell him something. And you're literally working at the same time Mm. in him. And so he comes back and we're good. And another thing that helped me, uh, um, at that point was realize that we don't have to argue mm. like we don't have to fight. So that's how it contributed to our longevity mm. going forward. It's we don't have to fight. We don't, we don't have to fight. I don't have to let him know how angry I am and what he's doing and, and just going off. And you do, likewise don't have to do that with me. If there's a disagreement, there's a disagreement. Like in reality, we have disagreements, right? We're two different people, different perspectives. There's disagreements, but we can respectfully voice our disagreements, voice our concerns, um, respectfully understand that they're even the purpose of us bringing up the, the disagreements or, or the, or the, our perspectives is so that we can grow. Mm-hmm. So that we can grow together and so we can honor God. So it's never an attack. And I'm not saying we're perfect, y'all. I'm just saying that the Lord has opened our eyes to to this reality. And we pray consistently and continually that we do this so that he can be glorified in our mm-hmm. marriage. And so it's it's always trying to find the way of like to edify and to to gently correct. And I can say that because it goes alongside what we're talking about right yeah. now. So um, I have grown up being a corner cutter. Like that's just... I feel like I don't want to say it's in my DNA because that's just well, I guess it is because of sin. But um, I'm a new creature, so I've I've endeavored to to ask God continually to to remove that from me because it's so ungodly to to try to get from point A to point B the fastest way, the quickest way without um, seeking Him for direction and without taking time to be thorough at things and and to glorify Him even diligent. if it's diligent, even if it's harder, you know. And so now at home, I always tell the kids, we don't do what is easy, we do what is right. Amen. So we don't want to train and raise corner cutters by default. Like I'm trying to be intentional because I, that happened to me. So I've, I've struggled with that. So Abe, what, because he's very different in that, and, and I know you, God has ministered to you through that and, and has grown you in that, um, you are very thorough and you're very diligent. And so you you try to make sure that you uh, cover all your bases. And you, and you and so I would always reject that because I would always say, man, that's just you. Like you're type A over there. Go ahead with your type A. I'm going to be over here with my free whatever. And and I, I honestly, it was just recently that um, – you know, I, I realize I'm not dependable because of the corner cutting and because of the lack of thoroughness. And so it really convicted me. So I, it's many anecdotes, if you will, but I'm, I'm going to condense it to like the, the what I'm trying to say is that 
we would have conversations like make the grocery list, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was my job to make the groceries, right? And so I'm going through everything and I would always forget one or two things and it would be so irritating because it would irritate me, but it also it would take, irritate you because you're like, I don't understand why you can't be thorough. And Or he would tell me, hey, can you, um, you know, make sure that this is done, you know, at home or whatever because it, he would need it for whatever, things like that. And then I would say in my mind, yes, I'm going to do that. And then I would forget and not do it. So then it becomes a thing where, again, he's being sanctified. So he's not yelling at me about it. He's not going off on me, but he's just, really being patient and then it came to the point like it came to a head where you were like I don't think you said it but I just knew it that it was like I'm just not dependable in my marriage like Abe cannot count on me he cannot count on me and it tore me apart y'all because I'm like I'm supposed to be a helper I was you know we're trying to honor God and he could not count on me like it could he he would and you could share this probably better than I do but he would be like okay I'm gonna tell her that I need this but then I'm gonna like come around the back and make sure that it's done. Y'all, it's horrible. So again, being sanctified, I could have at that moment be like, man, you, first of all, let me, you, don't you understand my plate? Like I got six kids. Don't you understand? I'm homeschooling them. Don't you, you know, I could come up with all the excuses as to why I forget, why I can't do it right. Why, you know, all the excuses. But in reality, if I want to honor God and my character is not godly in that area, we got to attack that. I got to attack that. And so I praise God that you didn't come at me from this place of like, you're just, you know, doing this what wrong or whatever. It was from a place of like, listen, I'm being patient, but like, I need to be able to count on you. And so I repented y'all. And I asked the Lord in tears, like, Lord, help me to be accountable first to you. I just want to honor you. I want my character to be like yours. I want to be refined. I want to be purified. I want to be um, diligent. I want to be trustworthy because it glorifies you. Mm-hmm. Not because I want to be a good wife to Abe, nor because I want to be like Abe. Because let me tell you, I could never do that, all right? Like I cannot be him and he cannot be me. Um, but the fact that that you were patient helped me to be able to get to the place where I realized, okay, this is a character issue. Mm. It is not an a- abism or, you know, like it, it is it is a character issue that I must submit to God. Mm. And so when I did that, I started seeing like I just had my planner here. I started seeing that I needed um, <laughs> tools. I needed tools <laughs> to be more accountable. And a sister in Christ, my dear friend, helped me with that. She was like, listen, I know that you and your nature are don't like check- checklists or planners. And I didn't. y'all. I cringe when I think of those things. But. She told me, she said, consider asking Abe what tools he uses to keep him responsible and diligent and keep him on track because he's also shuffling a lot of things, you know, um, what is that he uses? And so I asked him in all my humility, yo, it took all the humility in the world. <laughs> I was like, Lord, can I just interject yeah. briefly before we get to this point? Because let, let me tell you, and because you brought it up, mm-hmm. I want to bring this up. You brought it up Yeah, it's good. for the longest in our marriage. She would reduce my efforts at being diligent and thorough, she would even call me, you're just an eye-dotter and a T-crosser. She would reduce those efforts to just being abisms. Yeah. As opposed to being instances of godly character. Right. And so what you're explaining is that the Lord helped you to see, well, wait a minute, no. These are not just things that are, uh, that are you know, indicative of who Abe is. Because I can tell y'all, before the Lord, <laughs> that wasn't the case. It's the Lord has grown me in these ways to, to, to help me to be more diligent and more thorough. And so, uh, but I love you and I'm married to you. So it, it, it wasn't uh, as if I'm going to allow this revelation 
of a particular character issue to cause me to change my disposition toward you. I continue to pray and I endeavor to be consistent in my love for you that I never, and by God's grace, man, this is the truth. Uh, we don't have these blow ups to where we are, you know, blowing fire, breathing dragons. Even when, when you corrected me about bringing, you know, Christian with me to, to the store mm -hmm. that we never got to the place where we were huffing and puffing and blowing each other's houses down. Right. Uh, but we're able to still speak gently and in love because you're my sister in Christ. You are a daughter of the Lord in addition to being my wife. So I want to treat you the way that God would have me to treat you, you know, but on this front, it's true over years that you diminish this aspect of my endeavor, my striving to be godly in these ways and just being, well, that's just how you are. And I'm a, you used to say, I'm a free bird. Let me be free. Let me be free. Don't come over here to all your lists. I don't right, have to write right. nothing down. I, did, I don't even have no planner. I don't hear none of that because I'm not you. I'm not you. And I'm just like, I ain't trying to make you to be me. But right. I'm just saying, if we need eggs, we need eggs. That's right. That's right. If we make going to the grocery store, what's the point of going to the grocery <laughs> store and coming home and having to go back to the grocery oh, store? That's what I'm Jesus. saying. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's all I'm truth. saying. That's so that's all I want to introduce. Inter inter yeah, it's true, y'all. And with all the humility, I said, Abe, I'm sorry because it's been 15 years of me just <laughs> being ridiculous. I said, what tools do you use? And so he helped me come up with some tools. And now I'm like using the tools and I'm better. I'm better. Um, you are. I, but you it is. Are. It is a man. It is. It is a work, and that's why I want to distinguish hard work from a work. Mm. It, when God works in us, it is good. Mm. Does it feel great at times? No. But Lord, I rejoice that He doesn't leave me the same. Like mm. I rejoice. Like the Scripture says, rejoice. Like I. I want to. I want to honor Him. Mm. I am. I have so many things about me, and I feel like everybody can relate here. We have so many things about ourselves that are that are just learned behaviors that are ungodly, but it's just the way we are and the way we've operated and the way we, and so we are stuck there and we, we just use us as an excuse, you know, like this is how I am, who I am, man, the Lord came to make you new. Mm -hmm. You are a new creature in Christ. Amen. He died on the cross already for you. So, so the least we can do is give him our all. So when there are areas of ungodliness, when there are areas where man, we're not, um, being a bright light the way we should be, Lord, clean Cleanse me, man. Purify me. Remove it from me. And if it takes my husband to tell me, and 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 if it takes whoever, Lord, help me to have humility to receive mm. and not just come back defensively, which we have done, right? There, the flesh just wants wants to be like, hold up. But man, the Holy Spirit convicts, and I pray that we will we would in that moment receive that conviction and then say, okay, you're right. Like mm. what you're highlighting in me is something I need to work on. Mm -hmm. And vice versa, when I'm highlighting something in you, you're receptive. Lord, help me to be godly so you can be honored and glorified. That's the bottom line. Amen. It never becomes an attack. Amen. And the thing is, people sometimes misconstrue something. It is true that Christ following doesn't result in him wanting to change our personalities. But Christ following does with the Christ wanting to strip us from ungodliness. Yeah. We need to be able to distinguish whether or not the issue that we have is merely a personality issue or if it's an issue of ungodliness, an issue of sin. Of because character. Christ came to conform our character to Christ's, to his. He came, lived, and died, and was resurrected. The baby's crying. Plus, you got a stinky diaper after the show is over. We can go change some diapers. But Christ came to conform us to his image. And so what we need to be able to identify and to be honest about is whether or not this is merely a personality quirk or is this an issue of godliness or ungodliness and have the humility, the integrity, and the honesty about ourselves to say, Lord, 
This is true. This is something that is ungodly. And I'm asking you to excise it from me in order to make me more like you guys. This is what our Lord does in marriage. He carries a cutter, but it's not a butcher's blade. It's a scalpel for healing. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.